Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E CHU.com. Promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast you are locked on buccaneers your daily tampa bay buccaneers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what's up and welcome back to crossover wednesdays here on the locked on podcast network brought to you in part by dave Three million people already use Dave to save up to $1,000 every year in overdraft fees. That's why it's the number one budgeting app in the app store. Go to dave.com slash locked on and never pay another overdraft fee again. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by the incredible Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. So excited to get this show going. Ross, how are you doing? I am great, man. Glad to be here with both you and Dave today, as opposed to David. We'll see. <laughs> Fine. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Loving it, man. Just glad to be here. Always, always, always one of the highlights of my year to be able to uh, jump on these crossovers with the Lockdown Bucks guys and Guy, in this case, with you, man. Always happy to do it. Yeah, and I, I know David was a little bummed that he's still under the weather and, and really needed another day because tomorrow's my day off and he's got to record with somebody else. So he's got to mm-hmm. he's got to save his strength, but he's getting better. And, you know, kind of the the silver lining was we got to play you guys again. So this is only one of two crossovers that we'll do together. So he'll uh, he'll be back for the next one. But, you know, the Saints, man, you, you see Drew Brees go down, Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater steps up and they've had back-to-back really impressive wins. You know, one against Seattle where, you know, the offense was the one that stepped up and then the defense against the Cowboys just absolutely shutting them down on primetime TV. Yeah, uh, it's been an absolute whirlwind because, you know, you go from this place of all of the sort of tension and, and anticipation that came with that Rams game, right? Everything that happened in the NFC, NFC championship game, all of the talk over the offseason, all of the business, and then all of a sudden you have that big rematch. And then you kind of get on high from that, and you're very excited about that game. And then Drew Brees has that UCL tear, and then you're like, oh, no. Okay, now what do we do? <laughs> and then, you know, they drop that game, go one and one And then if you were going to tell me at any point this season that Drew Brees was going to go down, 
two weeks into the season during a very, very tough four-game stretch to open the first quarter of the season, and that the Saints were still going to come out 3-1, and one, I don't know if I would believe you, because 3-1 and one was kind of a long shot from the very beginning, talking about the first quarter of the season. A lot of us were saying, hey, 2-2 two and two would be great, but Teddy Bridgewater's come in. The Saints right now are 2-0 and oh under Teddy Bridgewater. The defense started to click big time against the Cowboys. They really picked the right time to show up. And so now, you know, we're moving forward to the next quarter of the season, very likely continuing without Drew Brees. And uh, so it'll just be interesting to see whether or not the Saints defense is going to be able to continue to sustain the productivity that you saw Sunday night against these next four opponents. And when you look at what the Bucks did this past weekend against the Rams, who, you know, they spent all week on LA radio talking about the fearsome Rams defense that then gave up, you know, 55 total points, or I guess, you know, some, some portion of that, but certainly, you know, way more points than anybody ever expected at home in LA in the Coliseum. Uh, and so I, I imagine that, you know, you've got to be riding on high with the way that the Bucks looked after Sunday, but I wonder if you're asking the same questions about the sustainability of the play. Yeah, that that's really exactly it. You, you had a Saints defense that was giving up points and you, you had a Buccaneers team that, was shooting themselves in the foot for two thirds of, of the season so far, you know, mm-hmm. beat themselves against the 49ers really beat themselves against the New York giants. But you know, this, this past week showed that they can go out and they can go pound for pound round for round blow for blow with any team in the NFL. Uh, and it doesn't matter where the location is. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a podcast that that I listen to called the Fantasy Footballers. I've talked about it quite a few times on on my show, and one of the hosts, Andy Holloway, does not believe what Jameis is doing is sustainable. And it was funny to hear them kind of talk about it on on their episode Monday. That you know the the Bucks offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they should be able to put up points against the Saints, who had been giving up points to the receiver and quarterback position. Uh, the first three weeks and then the defense steps up big time and and you have Jameis who has put together three good games in a row two elite fantasy weeks in a row Mm -hmm. and and you hear the host saying you know it's not sustainable we've seen this from Jameis before the bottom's going to fall out again it's just a matter of when is that going to be and he believes it's going to be this Sunday against the Saints with the way that defense is played but as you said you know is is either team's play sustainable I I think so I do believe this is going to be a close game. I do believe that the Saints defense is better than what they showed early in the season. I do believe that the Buccaneers offense can do exactly what they did against the Rams, against any team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a matter of them putting it all together. We have yet to really see a complete game out of the Buccaneers the way we've seen a complete game already, uh, a complete game or two or, or three out of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a big part of it, too, is, you know, we saw in Seattle sort of the defense and special teams contribute wildly, uh, first of all, with just the overall play of both units, but also they put points on the board. The defense had that fumble recovery for a touchdown. Deontay Harris brought back a punt return for a touchdown. And then this past week, they contributed, the defense did in terms of just not allowing points to get on the board at all and playing great against a, a matchup that could have been exploited when you look at what the Saints were giving up early on in the season. And then they improved not only in the passing game, but they also improved in the run game. They were giving up over 134 yards per game for the first three. And then all of a sudden they give up 45 
less than two per carry to, to Ezekiel Elliott, who's considered to be one of the best running backs in the league, sometimes arguably the best running back in the league. And so they've had, they, they've picked the right time to show up here. It's just about whether or not it's sustainable. And I've been telling my listeners, you know, when I talk about sustainability for the Saints defense, that a big part of it comes from the defensive line, because a lot of what this Saints team has been able to do is generated around pressure. They've been getting a lot of pressure, keeping quarterbacks uncomfortable. That doesn't matter against Russell Wilson. So you kind of have to scrap that when you play against the Seahawks, because so much of their game is, yeah, go ahead and let everything break down. We'll run like crazy and make everything happen after the play breaks down. But overall, the Saints have gotten pressure on 37.5% of their defensive snaps so far this season. And so they're playing really, really well. And they're getting a lot of that pressure just with the front four. They got Sheldon Rankins back this, this, past, uh, this past week, which was just insane and completely unprecedented that he was able to come back from his Achilles, which he injured in September. I'm sorry, not September, uh, January. And then to come back this quickly is just nuts and to be able to produce the way that he did. So I think a big part of what the Saints are going to be looking to do with this defense is benefiting the back end, their secondary, by putting pressure on Jameis Winston, not just by you know blitzing or anything like that, but they actually have to make him uncomfortable and they have to actually put that pressure on him. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But one thing hasn't changed, and that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet. You win, you get paid. Yeah, which, you know, normally I would say would be a pretty easy task with the way this offensive line is is constructed. It's one of the weaker groups on the team. But you go up against a defense like the Rams, yeah, and, and you were saying mm-hmm. you know, how touted that defense was on L.A. radio and, and everything. And Aaron Donald's name was called maybe twice. Right. All game long, you know, Clay Matthews had an early sack and then he was a ghost. You didn't mm-hmm. hear his name again the rest of the the rest of the day. This offensive line has really stepped up, even with guys like DeMar Dotson, who's an aging veteran. You have Alex Kappa in there. Uh, you know, Donovan Smith is is one of Buccaneers fans favorite punching bags. <laughs> but the the team is really starting to put it together. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way that. Jameis Winston is getting the ball out of his hands so quickly now. And mm-hmm. it you can see the growth and the comfort- comfortability. I struggle I with can, that one all the time. Every time. I was so close. So You're close. right there. You're right there. <laughs> How comfortable he is growing in, in Bruce Arian's system. And the play calling got much better between the New York game and, and the Rams game. So... They're not there. It, it looks like they're basically game planning to get the ball out of Jameis's hands in about two to two and a half seconds. It's mm. quick because when Jameis holds the ball, and we've seen it numerous times all season long, 
he'll you can see him get inside his own head and he starts to question whether he should let go of the ball or not. By then it's too late. Then he's holding it. And that's what's led to some of these sacks. It hasn't even really been an offensive line issue. It's been a Jameis issue. And we didn't see that out of him on Sunday. So if he can maintain that, you know, the saints can, can bring all the pressure they want, but much like what the bucks have had to deal with, with drew Brees, that ball's getting out of his hands so quickly that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's going to fall on the secondary to stop Chris Godwin and stop Mike Evans. O.J. Howard has been virtually a non-factor most of the year, but you know at some point he's about to explode. And then you mix in the the running capabilities that we have seen out of Ronald Jones this year, who was just absolutely killing it for the Bucs. Yeah, it, it, uh, it could be an interesting matchup for, uh, for the Saints secondary if that pressure can't get home for the front yeah. four. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing here. I mean, when you look at what how much time Dak Prescott had last week, uh 2.81 yard, I'm sorry, 2.81 seconds from snap to throw. So, he had more than enough time then, more than the time that they're trying to get for Jameis Winston in terms of releasing the ball. They're not getting the pressure within that two and a half second mark. At least they didn't last week. Uh, and so when you look at that and then you understand what it is that the Bucks are trying to do with Jameis Winston, this could be a favorable matchup in terms of being able to make that happen because the pressure just hasn't been getting there quick enough. And a big part of what we what I've been talking about with Lockdown Saints as well is that when they do get that pressure, they still need to convert it. They still need to create sacks, get hits, things like that. It can't just be you know 17 hurries in a game, 24 hurries in a game. That's great and that's fine if you're dealing with a quarterback that can't handle that, that can't get out of the pocket and throw the ball. But Jameis Winston can do that. That is a part of his arsenal. And so they have to be able to take advantage of that. He hasn't been fantastic under pressure so far this year, but you still want to convert, at least to give him a reason to be to be afraid of the pressure that's coming and sort of start to play, start to play those mental games. Now, you said something on Locked on Bucks that I know everybody on Locked on Bucks has heard, but I'd love to hear uh, you say again, just for the Saints fans here, uh, you were talking about how long it took for Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians to find their stride. Is that something that you feel like is being replicated with the time that it's taking for Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston to find theirs? Uh, I think so. It looks like it's speeding up a little bit mm-hmm. for the Bucks, but <clears throat> I did a I did a comparison of Bruce Arians' first year in Arizona with Bruce Arians. This was through two games, um, his, his first season with Tampa Bay. And when you go and you look at the numbers for Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald, it took about eight games mm-hmm. for this team to really get it. I mean, Carson Palmer had nearly a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. He had the lowest completion percentage through an eight-game stretch of his career. He it was it was a struggle. And Larry Fitzgerald only topped a hundred yards, I believe it was twice in those first eight games. And so I was taking a look at how in, in week one, Jameis struggled with the three interceptions. Two of them returned for a touchdown. Mike Evans was a non-factor. Then you go into week two, uh, a win against the Panthers. He's game managing. He had 200 yards and one touchdown. Mike Evans, again, not a big factor. And so it, it got me thinking, you know, how long is it going to take this offense to really pick it up? And it <clears throat> it did take about half the season. They were 4-4 four and four going into the bye. Mm-hmm. And then they finished the season, I believe it was nine and seven. And then after that, you know, they were they were playoff contenders for the rest of, of Bruce's tenure there, except for the last season. And the team was just destroyed by injuries. And, and even though 
they had a quote unquote losing record because of a tie. You know, Bruce Arians mm-hmm. as a head coach has never lost nine games. Right. So, you know, you, you take a look at all those factors and you think, okay, he's having to undo the damage done by a previous coaching staff. One of which, you know, that coach stayed in, in our division. And now Matt Ryan has a whole lot of interceptions. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Going for it on fourth down and leaving Julio Jones on the sideline. What a great oh, idea. Man. I love it. That's the type of play calling I want to see in Atlanta. I had people in the Bucks Nation mentions Falcons fans like, can you take him back? It's like, no, no, he's a, he is your problem now. Can have him. And he can stay there. Now, if only Carolina could hire Mike Smith as their defensive coordinator, it'd be a two team race every year. Fantastic. The good um, team. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it took about half the year. Now, uh, again, like I said, it looks like this team is starting to pick it up a little bit, but after week one, I, I had said, I need to see consistency and I need to see sustained success for Winston, you know, for three, four, five, six games in a row, instead of having these games, like I had mentioned, the the footballers talking about where he throws for over 380 yards and three or more touchdowns two weeks in a row, only turning the ball over twice in those games and then turn around and have a four interception performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't we can't see that anymore. It has to be another game where Jameis is around 300, two or three touchdowns, no turnovers. That's how you're going to win games, especially in the midst of this road trip. You know, New Orleans is just game two of six that the Buccaneers are playing on the road here. Right. And it's a division game. It's weighted heavier. This game's for first place. A lot of people aren't right. aren't realizing this. The winner of this game is first place in the division. Yep. And yeah. and it would put the Bucks at two and zero in the division. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is the Saints' first division game. That's correct. And it's the last one until after the bye week. The rest of the Saints, uh, the rest of the Saints' division schedule all takes place after starting with Week Ten. Wow. Yeah, they go four in a row, <clears throat> and then they have the last one against the Panthers, Week Seventeen. Wow. Okay, yeah. so yeah, this is this is the Bucks with the ability to tie the Saints record, but have a two and O division record, mm-hmm. and then you have the Saints who are zero and one in the division. You have the Panthers who are zero and one in the division, and I don't think the Falcons have played. All their divisional games are like starting week eleven. Yeah, they have exactly. like all six yeah. in a seven week span. Yeah. Yeah, they're weighted toward the so, back end of it yeah, as well. It's it's a uh, it's a high pressure game, and, and you know it's it's crazy to think that in week five, but there's a lot on the line here for for both teams. Yeah, there really is. I mean, it it essentially structures the landscape of the NFC South moving forward. And you know, for a lot of what you know, a lot of what the Saints fans and Saints media and everybody's been talking about is that okay, well, the good news is that you know you don't have Drew Brees for five or six games. If that's the case, or at least for five or six weeks, if that's the case, at least you're in a division to where you can command a lead. But right now, as we're discussing, that's not necessarily entirely as easy as people are making it out to be. I mean, there's still a task here in winning the division. And maybe the Falcons, who are considered to be you know, the top contender for the division, maybe they're not the team. But that doesn't mean that the Bucks can't creep up here. We've been talking for years about the Bucks being on the verge of being very good. And it looks like we're starting to see... Uh, sort of that take shape 
Yeah, it just it took finally hiring a competent coaching staff. I mean, this was imagine that. <laughs> it, and David and I have been saying it for a long time. Yeah, this is the the first legitimate head coach the Buccaneers have had since they fired John Gruden in two thousand nine. Jeez, yeah, yeah. And the Saints just signed your favorite coach Sean Payton to a five year extension. So we've got oh, many years of this to come. That guy. <laughs> that guy five more years baby five more uh. years <laughs> um all right why don't we jump into uh, i'd like to jump into matchups if that's all right we could jump oh absolutely individual stuff because there's a lot of really great ones here and the first one i want to start with kind of goes on what you were talking about with uh with you know the the giving uh winston time and how that can benefit or how that could really cause some trouble for the saint secondary if the pass rush can't get home and the pass rush can't do that uh, a big part of this game that I'm looking at is the matchup between Chris Godwin and Eli Apple. Eli Apple has played very well so far this offseason. I know Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans are like the big marquee matchup. But if Eli Apple can't contain Chris Godwin, who has been everything that we had hoped he would be in the NFL, like I love that guy and I want to see him succeed, just maybe not this Sunday. I'd like to see him. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the matchup between he and Eli Apple because if Eli Apple can limit him in any way, even if that just means keeping him out of the end zone, that makes Marshawn Lattimore's job a little bit easier just in terms of, or really the full secondary's job a little bit easier to where, you know, you're not seeing the ball spread around and you're not really having this guy affect the game by stretching the field and becoming somebody that the defense has to account for. Always easier, like you saw last week for the Saints when they were taking on Dallas. There was no Michael Gallup in that game. So Eli Apple spent most of his time matched up on the outside against Tavon Austin and Devin Smith for the most part. And a little bit of Randall Cobb mixed in there, but he played mostly from the slot. And so with that being the case, the secondary, Marshawn Lattimore, they were all able to focus down a little bit onto Amari Cooper. And then the front seven was able to focus on Ezekiel Elliott. Much easier when you can do that. Not always the case when you have a third, fourth guy. And I'll throw O.J. Howard in there too who maybe hasn't been outstanding yet so far this season, but he's incredibly talented and incredibly athletic, and he, pr he produces well against the Saints. So those are a couple of guys that I'm really watching from the Bucks' offense that can make it really tough on the Saints' secondary that maybe is improved but still has a challenge coming up. Yeah, and, and you nailed it. And let's let's be honest. You know, it's it's not often that that a Bucks fan can can puff their chest out uh, you know, when talking with a Saints fan, but Buccaneers fans have, have zero worry when it comes to the Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore lineup or yeah. matchup, um, Mike Evans, you know, we, we've seen him torch Jenkins. We see, we just watched him torch Peters before Peters was decapitated on his, on his pick six. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a hit, wow. you know, say what you will about Donovan Smith. He was laying it. Oh man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the big matchup and Jameis will look, to to Godwin against Apple, I think more than he will he will test Lattimore because there is that respect for Lattimore and and he is one of one of the best corners out there. But you know, Chris Godwin, if you had told me that through the first quarter of the season, Godwin would be cool. the team leader in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, I would have been like, all right, I expect Godwin to have a great year too. But this team still has Mike Evans. Let's just calm right. down. But Godwin is just next level, man. And, you know, you could see exactly what we saw against the Rams. You know, Godwin had 12 receptions go for first downs. You know, and Jameis could just keep 
throwing the ball to him just over and over and over. And once the Saints finally get to the point, they're like, all right, we have got to focus more on Godwin. Well, now Mike Evans is going to hit exactly. Lattimore on a double move, and it's going to be a 60-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what's so great about this Bruce Arians offense, especially with the weapons that they have, is they can expose any weakness at any time. It's just a matter of Jameis getting the job done. So whether whether the guy is Godwin or Evans or OJ or Rojo or, you know, the return of Cameron Brait, who's had a quiet year, um, you know, even even working with Bobo Wilson, you know, Bobo Wilson was getting receptions against the Rams. It it was it was wild. So, (laughs) yeah, if if the pressure is not getting there, Jameis can can expose some matchups. And and right now. Chris Godwin is a is a mismatch in the Bucks' favor against any team's second corner yep. across the NFL. Absolutely, yes. So one of the things that, that I'm really looking for is the same thing that I've looked for the last three weeks. And you you have a team that has faced Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. And those three running backs combined have rushed for well under a hundred yards. Yeah. What is Alvin Kamara, Super Camario? What is he going to be able to do? Because I'll full disclosure. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of Saints games, but I've not seen how Kamara has played without Drew Brees. There is he going to be effective, or is there a concern that this Buccaneers rush defense that is all of a sudden one of the best in the league? They're going to take that part of the Saints game away and force Teddy Bridgewater to win it. Yeah. Um, if you get the chance and if you're interested in watching a little bit of what Kamara can do without Drew Brees, check out the Seattle game. 161 total yards, 69 on the ground, 92 receiving and a pair of touchdowns. He looked incredible and he actually carried that entire win. I think he had something insane, like 23 broken tackles or something like wow. that. Going not Not in that game, but, you know, throughout – and stuff. And so he's been absolutely, absolutely incredible. I think he had 12 alone in that game. And so he's been exactly what he's looked like throughout his, you know, first couple of years uh, in, in the league or first year in the league. And so, uh, or first couple of years in the league. And so you, I, I, I mean, look, I can't deny the fact that the Bucks right now are allowing 59.2 rushing yards per game. That, that run defense has been absolutely incredible. Um, uh, and I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to attribute that to, well, it's because other teams are passing on them more because their passing defense, I think, is a, a lower, much lower. But I'm not even going to attribute that. I, I think that a lot of teams get scared away from the run because, like you mentioned, they faced Barkley. They faced McCaffrey. They faced Todd Gurley. Those aren't guys that you stray away from because you feel like you're going to have a better chance passing the ball. You're not going to do that. They're a part of your game plan, just like Alvin Kamara is. So I expect that he's going to get a little bit more involved in the the passing game the good news for him is that he is working with a a quarterback like teddy bridgewater who likes those short dink and dunk type passes and likes Mm -hmm. to sort of meticulously chew his way down the field so that means that it gives alvin Kamara the opportunity to sort of use that short passing game as an extension of the run i know i'm being totally cliche at the moment but that is really a big part of of his game and we saw him do that against the um against the seattle seahawks we saw him do a little bit more game management alvin Kamara did during the Dallas Cowboys game just in terms of making sure that you know he wasn't going out of bounds he was staying in bounds chewing the clock that was a big part they won time of possession in that game by 12 like a 12 minute swing and so they were absolutely outstanding with that and so I think that 
I think you will see a very involved Alvin Kamara in this game because the Saints really, I mean, look, Traquan Smith might come back this week. Traquan Smith, who had a very inconsistent rookie year, started off with a really solid opening to his second year here. And a big part of that had to do with his involvement in the slot. He's opened that up to a part of his game. He's taking like three times more slots, more snaps from the slot in terms of percentage than he did in 2000 and, uh, 2018. I think he's actually exceeded his 2018 slot snap count already over the first two games that he played in. And so when you have that, uh, Jared Cook is somebody that hasn't really found his fold into the offense yet, but granted he hasn't played with Drew Brees, but you know, a game and a, and, and a drive basically. And so your two guys on this offense right now are still very much Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So you have to expect that they're going to do what they can uh, to get him to get him involved and uh, get him to continue to be a part of the game plan. Uh, the next kind of big matchup for me that I'm watching is somebody that I'm just so excited about this year, and it's Shaq Barrett against uh, yes. Teron Armstead. Oh man, he's been outstanding. What is he on pace for? Like 36 sacks or something wild? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right you know, I don't maybe be the on pace dude, but it, you know, it's just incredible. Regardless, just what he's done over these first four games. Well, and uh, until the Rams game, he was on pace for 42 and a half. So it did go down a little bit with, with the one sack performance, but that sack resulted in an (laughs) Indomitian Sioux touchdown. He also had his first career interception and forced another interception on a deflected pass. This dude, I've said it time and time again. So, you know, my, my listeners might be a little sick of it, but for your listeners, just be thankful that Shaq Barrett allows us to exist in his universe because it right. all belongs to him. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, he's yeah, been it, outstanding. And he's going to be matched up against Teron Armstead, who did not have a great time against uh, Robert Quinn last week against the against the Cowboys. And I think, I, I mean, I like what Robert Quinn does, and I think Robert Quinn's very talented, but I think Shaq Barrett is even more of a threat than he is. Well, and, and what's great about, about the way Shaq has played is – even <clears throat> even when he's not getting a sack, when he's generating that pressure, mm-hmm. it's creating mistakes. Yeah, you know, two of two of the interceptions that Goff had were because of Shaq Barrett. You know, <clears throat> he'll be closing in, and you know, all of a sudden here comes Carl Nassib, and with with Sue and Vea collapsing the middle, it's created these opportunities for Barrett but this guy is is playing next level right now and they need him to continue to do that well you know when they're in New Orleans facing a guy like Bridgewater like you said he likes to dink and dunk a little bit you know if his first read isn't there he likes to check the ball down positive play high percentage throw keep the ball moving don't make a mistake well it's going to be on this front seven especially Shaq Barrett, who has been so incredible this year, to get Teddy off that game, to get him off his spot, to make him uncomfortable, just like you know, with, with the Saints defensive line and, and Jameis Winston. You know, they have to create that pressure to create those mistakes, keep the ball out of Alvin Kamara's hands, and, and don't allow that, that quick check down, force Bridgewater out of the pocket and throw the ball away when it's not there. So, yeah, Shaq Barrett, I expect – it's it's gotten to the point where I expect him to make a big play. Yeah. You know, any any defensive snap, I expect to see a big play out of Shaq Barrett. And I'm sure we'll hear his name plenty of times, but it it's the defense goes through him at this point. Yeah. He's been absolutely lights out this year. He's been incredible. All right, should we right. jump into predictions? Yeah, yeah, we can okay. do that. And, and you know what? I'll um 
I'll give you the honors, good sir. Your your Thank team you, is friend. currently three and one. They are leading the division. So, by all means, what is your prediction for uh, for Sunday's game? All right. So right now the Saints are favored minus three, which basically means home field advantage. <laughs> that's literally all that it is. <laughs> that is point. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I mean, you know, that's that's that Drew Brees effect for you. Uh, market for over under is set at 47. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that this is going to be a um, that this is going to be a close game, but I don't think it's going to be a low scoring game like what we saw with Dallas. I think the Tampa Bay secondary is a good matchup for uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but I also think that the defense for the Saints, depending on what which Jameis Winston we see, and uh, I think we're going to see on the road Jameis Winston, could be a positive matchup for him. So I could see this being not another 48-40 to 40, uh, type of game, but uh, definitely a high-scoring close one. Uh, so I'm going to actually – I, so I have a little bit of a Yarko streak going on, as I call it. Um, as I've been picking against the Saints these last two weeks, they've won. And I know you said that you can't do that, because eventually you're going to get it wrong. But you know what? I'm going to do it. Uh, and I'm going to stick with my streak here. And I'm going to pick the Bucks to actually win this game. There's actually a really good reason for me to do it, though. This is the Saints' first sort of normal feeling, quote-unquote, game. They played four national games against top opponents right now over the first four games. Now, all of a sudden, they're going into a noon matchup against a division rival, familiar opponent that you know can be a wacky game. And so this has all of the sort of home cookings to be something to where the Saints could get tripped up here. Um, do I really think that they will? N- no, uh, but I'm gonna. I'll. I'll. I'll be. I'll be that guy, and I'll say uh, Bucks. Uh, let me say 27-24. Okay. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I I have to be true to the game, Ross. Right. Uh, you know, right. I can't. I can't try to to mess with the universe. Uh, or Shaq Barrett might hurt me. Um, <laughs> I look at this game, the Bucks absolutely stole one last week. And they're they're going to be riding high off of that and they need to continue to build off of that. But I don't think this is the week that we're going to see them string two in a row together. It's in New Orleans. It is a tough matchup. It's it's two teams that know each other really well. Um you know, Sean Payton is he knows he knows the Bucks inside and out. He might know them as well as Bruce Arians does at this point. Sure. Um, I do think it's going to be close. I do think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. If I was a betting man, I would bet on the over. Agreed. And I would bet on the Bucks against the spread. But I think the Saints win in a last-minute field goal, 30-28. to 28. Nice. Nice. I will say, too um, – the other thing here is that this is a really interesting game for both of these teams and for us because we're talking about a Saints team that's now game planning with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback as opposed to Drew Brees for the first time since 2006. And then the Bucks have a brand new offense, everything going on with Bruce Arians. So this is a little, it, it, it feels, it, the game feels a little bit more unfamiliar than it usually does, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's not the same old, same old, but I mean, even even through the years of craptastic Buccaneers play, it seemed <laughs> like they would still manage to steal one against the Saints. Absolutely. And it was usually in New Orleans. It was yep. like the the road team would be the the victor. Um, then, you know, we went on a run there for a little while where the Saints were just beating everybody over the head, and including <laughs> both games against the Bucs. But this one does have a little bit of a different feeling than it has in at least the the past few years. Yeah, Absolutely. James, always a pleasure, dude. Always love chopping it up with you, man. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, 
Make sure you're checking out everything Ross is doing at uh, All Saints Considered. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. You can check out everything I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and follow along on Twitter at JayYarko underscore Bucks. Hope you all have a phenomenal day and thank you so much for joining us right here on Crossover Wednesdays. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back, this is the moment.